Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome to another episode of the Level Up Latina podcast. Today we have Ana Martinez as our guest. By the way, we've had a whole lot of Anas recently, so there's something in the air with Anas and their expertise and their love for being on podcasts. So we're super grateful. Ana, we've known since college, so this is even more comfy for us. She has a history as an educator in Los Angeles in both public schools and charter schools. We invited Ana because we wanted to listen to her advice and her thinking around career and education, learn about her journey about the way she took her role to the next level during the pandemic. We're excited to have Anna and to talk about her role as an educator, especially because of everything that we've gone through in the last year, distance learning, parenting, teaching, all that good stuff, what the schools are going through. So welcome to our show, Anna. Thank you, ladies. It's so good to see you all. I'm so happy to be here. You all look right. the same right. since you got since college. You look great. You look even better, girl. You just keep getting better with age. What's the secret? What is we all drank the same thing. We all drank the same thing at. Evening. We all drank the same thing in college. What was that? <laughs> mm, that, that good water. Jungle juice. <laughs> Jungle juice. <laughs> there you go. That good water. That good water. Before we start talking about your work and your long history as an educator, tell us about your upbringing. Where were you born? All that good stuff that we need to know about you. Well, I am born and raised in Los Angeles. I. Both my parents immigrated here from Mexico um, to Inglewood, California, individually. They met and they set roots here in Inglewood. Uh, yeah, I'm a proud girl from the city of Chandler. Inglewood, me too, baby. Inglewood. <laughs> you know, I've been on the west side for a long time. Inglewood, Hawthorne, Lenox, now Westchester, El Segundo, you know, you name it. I've lived it over here. My parents and my family are a huge part of my story. I'm a, we come from a family of 10. I include my parents in that. There's eight of us. They have four boys, four girls, and I'm in the middle, right? So I'm spanking in the middle. And I cannot be who I am today if it wasn't for what my, my brothers and sisters kind of went through and set the tone in school. And I was the first woman in my entire extended family and everyone to go away to college. It was a big deal because, you know, you might get pregnant if you go to college. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it was a lot of pressure. and. Um, I went to Santa Barbara and I loved going there. I needed that type of chill environment, but it was still studious enough and it was still close enough to home. And from there, I graduated in four because like there was a lineup of five other kids that needed to go to college. So I came back. I joined Teach for America. I started teaching here in South LA, South Central LA. In 2003, it was still called South Central. It was changed to South LA that year. Yeah, I started teaching there. Honestly, like, I went to public school my whole life and it was not until I became a teacher that I was like, wait, this is craziness. This is happening in schools behind the backgrounds. These teachers are interesting. And there was a lot of great teachers, but I remember my first week of school, like I broke up a fight with uh, a almost a retired old man and like a seventh grade boy at my school in South LA. And I just was, I couldn't believe that these things were happening in school, but I was also humbled that my, my experience wasn't the experience of the kids I wanted to serve. There was just a level of poverty in South LA that Inglewood didn't have. You know, and Inglewood I thought was tough, but I guess South Central is just different. It was only, what, 10 minutes away? So I was really humbled by that. And like I said, my family's a huge part of my story, and I had a lot of interesting situations happen 
in my story, um, deaths of people I really loved, boyfriends. Um, you know, my boyfriend passed away at 28 when all my friends were getting married. You know, that was a huge deal. It made me grow up. The next year I became a principal. It's just so much good in the bad and bad in the good. And I just learned to flow with life, glow up, right? Glow through it, grow through it. And here I am today. I'm a chief academic officer for a small charter school, I guess you could say, in Delano, California, serving the children of migrant workers and uh, farm workers and factory workers, you know, all the people that give us our food. And so to me, that was really important. And it's really important work. I'm like on my third week on the job. I have a whole ton of questions. Firstly, I'm going to be selfish and take some airtime to ask you, where did you grow up in England? Where did you go to school, baby? Because I grew up in England too. We grew up in off of Regent Street. So my dad just literally sold that house like two years ago. It was huge. It was like triplex. And then we moved to Imperial. Um, but that's now Hawthorne. And the other side is, is Inglewood. So our house was off of the corner. I don't know if you know El Tio's Tacos. So the house right in front of them was our house growing. Like that's my house growing up. And it has a huge yarda. My dad had trucks. So he opened up his business. So that's where we were for a long time. My cousins are still across the street. We're always partying with them every chance we get. So we established where you grew up in Inglewood. I know exactly where that is. And that makes me very happy. My next question is tell us a little bit more about UCSB Go Gauchos. It is our pride that we all went there and we're so proud of that school. You're absolutely right about the vibe, the chillness. It was an incredible time. What was your degree in? Why did you pursue that degree? Tell us a little bit about folks that are, you know, wanting to start there because they may have some interest in education or they have no interest in anything at all. But what was your route? Man, I loved my days in UC Santa Barbara. Um, I met incredible people, all of y'all. Um, my best friends are from Santa Barbara, right? And I'm like, they're my, my comadres, they're my friends, you know, they're my family. And I started and like with a degree in chemistry because like typical, um, I, I was going to go to be a doctor, right? So I had two, two goals, either to be in politics or to be a doctor, so different. And like I said, the pressure of being the first generation, the first woman and like, don't get pregnant. Don't do mess up. Don't mess it up for any other woman that's be like younger than you. Um, I started getting B's and C's in Santa Barbara in chemistry. And to me, that was bad because I was already hearing from the college counselors, like you're not going to get into med school with these grades. And then I was like, well, I can't drop out. So then I changed my major three times, computer science, engineering, psychology, well, that's like four. And then eventually got to global studies and Chicano Chicana studies. Um, and I went the political route and I said, well, maybe I'm just going to go with the flow. Now my advice to that 18 year old girl is like, everybody's going to struggle. You are going to fail and just get through it. Just get to your dream. Right. But I'm just going with the flow of life. And um, I graduated with global um, and international studies and Chicano Chicana studies. That's where my, my passion for education really grew because I had never learned my history, right? I never even had a Latino, Latina teacher aside from my Spanish teacher. Um, and so I got really passionate about it. I had about three or four jobs while I was in college. So two of them were the high school instructional assistant at, at Santa Barbara High. And then the second job was the College and Career Center, where I was just like learning so much about careers and coaching people. And I was like getting so much training myself. And then a third one, I was working with a social professor on um, serving Latino families in Isla Vista. 
and helping their children and them get resources and education. And I just felt like all of that was interconnected. And then I joined Teach for America because, you know, we have to find a job right away after high college because that's why you went. <laughs> and um, I had a job by May of 2003 and I got placed in August. So we graduated in June, July. We went through a crazy training with Teach for America. And then I started teaching in August. It was a four track school of like two, 3000 kids. And I was like, wait, you're just going to give me the keys. You're just going to trust me with these kids. And then I, and then I started going to LMU for my graduate degree at the same time. Those two years were very hard for me though. To be a professional, I didn't know how to dress. Let me tell you, nobody even says like, girl, what should you wear to work? Right. From the shoes to like everything to like, how do I then go to school at night when I feel physically and emotionally drained? Because teaching is emotionally draining, but also mentally as a first gen working in any field, you're mentally drained. You just go home thinking, how did I not know this stuff? Is there a secret code that everybody knows that I don't know? Right? So you're just constantly feeling not enough. Like, like, oh, don't wear that girl or don't do this girl or don't do that. You know, like um, that first gen thing, right? Like as a first generation person, you don't know these things. No one modeled it for you. You don't necessarily know what it's like to walk into the first day of your job. And you're so right about teaching as well, because I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about folks that do Teach for America. Some people really love it. Some people leave completely disillusioned and heartbroken because it's not easy. It's not easy to go into education. It's just like you said about realizing, wow, you're humbled by the experience that is not equal. Everybody has such a different experience in education. But what kept you on that route? Like what kept you pursuing this career? Because you've really gone really far with this career. I appreciate that. I was like, I'm going to help save as many kids as possible. And I'm going to get as many brown kids. Cause you know, in Santa Barbara, we had a small group. Everybody knew each other. I saw you all form Hermanas Unidas. That's dope, right? I saw that happen in all these other clubs too. And it was all love. I remember it was all love. And I was like, how do we not have more of us here, including our black colleagues and students, friends, right? Like there was just not enough. And so I think that was my thing. Like, how can I get more kids to have access to that? You know, you just learn the politics of education. And what's happening, though, is there's something about my personality and our personalities as first gen, right? I was translating for my dad and my mom since I was like seven or eight. So there's no shame in that. That teaches you how to be a leader at a young age. And I was tenacious. And so I was asked to be in leadership roles at a very, like early in my career. I didn't know what I was doing, but people were like, hey, do you want to lead the PTSA? Do you want to lead the other Teach for America cohort? Do you want to? And I've always been like, yeah, sure. Yes. And sure. Like that's always my thing. And so saying yes consistently in my career has just like gotten me to the next level. And Low key, I think it's because I saw my dad open up his business and he didn't know anything about business. Sixth grade education, didn't know how to open up the company. But that fearlessness of like, I'm just going to figure it out. You know, I'm just going to ask. Um, I think that personality trait in me got me to say yes. And then from there, it just catapulted my career. By my third year, I was asked to be a dean of students. And here I am, 24 years old, being a dean and South Central Middle School of 3,000 kids, like everybody looked at me like, who's going to listen to your 5'2 red lipstick self? Like what? But Oh, just I wait. Mean, oh, just wait. You'll listen. <laughs> but you know, pause for a moment because you were the dean at 24 years old. For anybody listening that doesn't yeah. want to take the plunge, the tip mm -hmm. of the day is going to be what Anna just said. 
Say yes, you will yes. figure it out. Most people say the Long Beach mayor was saying he always took jobs that he wasn't qualified for. Then he becomes the youngest mayor of the Long Beach, the first Latino, the first immigrant, the first gay man. You've just got to go for it and do it and say what you want about that mayor. Like if you're from Long Beach and you don't like him. My point is what he was able to do by saying yes to jobs that he felt like maybe it wasn't his time. So you went from being a teacher to a dean, assistant principal principal, chief of staff, director, and now that, what was it, the CEO of a school? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's incredible. So you have to start where you are and continue to say yes. So tell us more about that experience just growing as a leader in education. Yeah, say yes, but be humble enough to ask questions and learn, right? Every position I've been at, I, I seek a mentor. And so there was this amazing, tenacious, like loving Black woman. Her name was Monica Perry. She taught me everything. And I was humbled like, hey, Monica, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. And she was like, I'm going to teach you, girl. Like shout out to black women who are paving the way and helping us. So yes, I, I was just and then here's my Mexicanist like or the Latino immigrant experience. I stayed the extra hours. I'm going to do the extra work because my motto was whatever I don't know, I'm going to outwork it with my work ethic. I'm going to learn it. So even if you came in knowing my work ethic is just going to figure it out. Like I'm just going to outwork you. And that's, and that was it. And so I stayed there and I learned and I, and I read books and I figured it out. And honestly, my intuition, kids don't like all the deans that I've known were big OP teacher men, right? They were like scary. Fear doesn't help because it's not, we're not jails. But what I did was like, how do I build relationships with kids? Because why would this six foot seventh or eighth grader that's in a gang that's in Grape Street or that's over here in South Central Florencia, like, why would they want to listen to me? Right. Especially when other deans were getting their butts whooped, like after work or there was all this gang violence. And it was really about the relationship. Like I was like their big sister. I was like their Thea. And, and so yes, Say yes, but be humble enough to learn and put in the hours to figure it out because it's not the community's fault that we don't know what we're doing yet. You know, like you said at the beginning, we've known each other for such a long time, but we don't really know your story. What would happen after UCSB, right? And as we were, you know, putting together this conversation, I was just looking back and thinking like, I met Anna freshman year, uh, you know, in a writing class. And I want to say that most of us there were Latino. And I think it was like kind of like a remedial class to kind of teach us how to write in the college setting. And just to, uh, I'm like getting the chills right now, just to think like you come so, so far right from that class, young little Anna, young little Ceci, young all of us, right, at UCSB. And, and being part of that small Latino community at UCSB, but now like helping, you know, being a mentor, being a leader, like, I'm so I'm so proud of you. Like que padre que que has podido que has podido hacer eso. And so I don't know. I guess my question to you is like, what has been your favorite part of this journey? Wow. You know, when you told me writing, I didn't even remember we met in there. But <laughs> let's talk about that. Like, there's no shame in that. People say it's because you're really smart. It's because you did. You know, you're a lawyer. It's because you're really smart, Sessie. Like, I can't do that. And I tell people I struggled in college. Like, I went in feeling behind like that's the imposter syndrome and I was like how am I going to write well because I had professors saying you don't know how to write how the heck did you get into college and it's because we're learning two languages and our schooling is failing us that we are not articulating ourselves enough we don't increase our vocabulary enough and so to me I'm like how do I learn how to write and speak at the level that I need to because as a leader I'm constantly writing newsletters I'm constantly writing 
um, all kinds of things and saying speeches and, and talking in front of people. And so I remember having to get better at that. So if you're not good at writing, as an educator, I say writing is built on a sea of talk. So the more you talk to your children now, you're teaching them how to articulate themselves. But I think about like our journey is like that. Like there's so many things we don't know. How are you teaching yourself instead of saying, oh, I don't know how to do that. That's different. Right. I'm like, how can I get there? How I had a huge dream. Like I'm going to be changing education. I'm going to do this. Like I still have that dream and I study people and I study how they talk to people, how they do uh, speeches, how they, how they present a room. And I feel like there's some things I already have, and there's some things that I'm going to learn. And I love that you women are doing that. I always like to say like, oh, we're growing together. Not only are we, are we just, um, you know, guiding these women, we're also growing with them and learning from them. So thank you for saying that. What resonated too was that, you know, making sure that we're seeking out mentors as we're going through these journeys, right? Um, what you said re earlier was that even with these new, positions or roles that you've had you always seek a mentor because they've had the experience they've put in the years and I think that's one of the biggest um, lessons that I've learned that you know even even when you're getting to the top it's always important to look and, and for a mentor for for guidance because it's hard to do it on your own I do encourage coaching and mentorship so if there's any woman right now listening or a young girl listening who's on the fence I swear if I had level up Latina when I was 19, 21, like I wouldn't have made some of those mistakes, but because I made those mistakes, I want to give back, right? I want to mentor. I want to coach. I want to be able to do that. And you said, what's my favorite part of the journey? My favorite part of the journey is the people that I've met, right? Like our culture comes from comunidad. It doesn't come from individualism. And so women that like, oh no, I don't, I want to keep this to myself let them learn. I brought myself up through my bootstraps. Like, no, no, no. I'm here because my community sacrificed. There's people who didn't go to school so that I could. There's people who learned a lesson so that I didn't have to learn that same lesson. So why not just give it away? Like, why not just give that love? Because our Mayan ancestors, you know, would say, uh, in la quesh, tu eres mi otro mi. Like, if you're rising, I'm rising, right? And I want you to even go higher than I am in education. And that's kind of what I want to give and exude everywhere I go. I love what you said right now. And the fact that there's this book I read um, by OG Mandino, and it talks about he's like the greatest salesman in the world. Okay. And it's a great small book. And it just teaches you how to do things, you know, you do you, you have 30 days and try this for 30 days. And it's like a beautiful process to for growth, right. But one of the things he says, right, is like, I treat everyone I interact with with love. Right. So it's like when I when I shake your hand, when I, I make eye contact, I, I tell them even without telling them I signal I give love that helps so much in our interactions. And every time I've interacted with you since I met you, it's been that. So I commend you for doing that throughout your life. And it didn't stop. You didn't get disheartened or this. You saw it and you're like, no, I'm gonna, I need to pump in more love and I need to pump in love in myself growing, investing in yourself and learning, I can give love to these props. kids, to what I want to do, to my mission. I just wanted to give you props on that. I want to keep giving props. This is going to be a prop loving giving session. I thought the other piece too, that was awesome was the hard work piece. Like don't be afraid to work hard. And I love Anna, your connection to like our community and our ancestors and those that came before us and what they were able to do. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's no shame in that game that 
Power work isn't an ugly word. Like we don't have to look for the shortcuts or the victimization of like, I didn't have this. So now I don't have that. You know, I'm, I'm not a good writer. So I guess I'll just never be a good writer or whatever the excuses we may want to use. It's like, no, you work hard to be a good writer. My mom had real world problems, like real world problems to get to this country with nothing on her own battered woman. Like she became a self-employed badass. And I can't use, I'm not a good writer or I'm not a good speaker or uh, I have an accent or whatever the excuses people may use. It's like hard work, hard work trumps everything. And it's very apparent that you have that, that humble sort of connection to your upbringing and that connection and that no excuses, work hard, stay later, go the extra mile, read the book. Like Vettel just mentioned, like do the work to be the best that you can be. Wow, like Anas un amor. This past year has been tough and, you know, we get hit with this pandemic, schools get shut down, but you, Anna, got super creative and created this YouTube channel for parents. And so I saw that and I told the girls, I was like, oh my God, look at what Anna's doing. How cool that she's doing this. And I, I know you did it out of love and you put in extra hours to create this space. So tell us about these, these videos that you created for parents. Thanks, ladies. Um, love all around. So I think the background story is that I was having a hard time at work. Like we had just gotten a new, new leadership team. I feel like, um, my boss just got let go crazy, like randomly, all my responsibilities were cut at work. And then I got laid off and I feel, I felt lack of love. And so when I felt lack of love, I said, what's going to empower me? Who needs love right now? So I, I was realizing like, a lot of the decisions being made were not centering families. They were not centering students. And so many people were messaging me like, Anna, I know you're in, uh, in education. What should I do for my five-year-old so they don't fall behind? Anna, what do I do here? What do I do there? And then I coach principals, right? I've been coaching them for on the side for a long time. And they were asking me like, oh my God, parents are asking me what to do and this and that. And you know, we were witnessing parents in parent meetings being hard on their kids because now parents had to be teachers out of love, right? Out of love for you not to fall behind because the dream is real. Like we need to get them to college. That's the dream we sell. Then parents were being hard on their five-year-olds, on their six-year-olds, not knowing them developmentally. So I thought, what can I do so that I'm getting through this situation of like being laid off, feeling like a little attacked at work and that's going to happen to us, right? And I decided to use it as a light. So I remember telling my, my idea to my, my best friends, Karina and Angie and Monica, and they were like, just do it. And I was like, how are you just going to go on YouTube? And like, everybody talks about you, like your skin, your nose, how beautiful, blah, blah, blah. You know, all your insecurities, how you talk. And they're like, Anna, who cares? Just do it. And my sister had launched a podcast like a year before that. And she was just like, I know you are a perfectionist. Do not care about perfectionists. Just put it out there. And the first two are going to be the hardest. And after that, just keep going. So that's what I did like from one day to the next. And I just text people I knew. And I was like, I'm just going to teach people about their kids as a student, not their kids as their kids. Because you know their, your kids well. But you may not know your kids developmentally at five, six, seven. Right? And um, so that's when I just did that. I just started giving that information. And that was helpful because I felt like we were forgetting about the families we were serving. And so I think a lot of what I do in education is centering those we serve because there's this word called paternalism where we make decisions because we think it's best for other people. But in reality, that's just colonization. 
we the, the Spaniards thought it was good for the the Native Americans to just live this way, or the Spaniards thought the the Aztecs should just live this way. And it's like, can we just stop thinking that we know best for other people all the time? Can we just center them and love on them and treat them like amazing gods and goddesses instead of like they don't know a lot, they don't know the language. Like my parents were really smart. They didn't know the language. They didn't know education, but they knew stuff. And so treat them with the respect that they're coming at you with, right? And so because our culture is so humble, like humildad, listen to your teacher, that I think we take that for insecurity. I'm like, oh, you don't know anything. And it's like, no, I guess I'm going to be the loud Latina that's going to say, no, we do know a lot. We know a lot. And so hopefully that gave a lot of information to families. Very helpful for parents that had to all of a sudden, like, you know, figure out distance learning and, um, you know, they were growing, uh, but, and also had to work. And I just felt like they were really, really helpful. Um, and I saw that many of them you did in Spanish. Um, who was, um, who was the targeted uh, audience for you? I think parents all around, but mostly our Latino parents because Latino and African-American parents school's failing them most, right? We're not graduating them at the rate that they should be or getting to college at the rate that they should be. So I wanted to make sure with my Pocho Spanish that I went on there and I did it. And I think that's another level of insecurity, right? I've gotten better at my English and my Spanish kind of falter. So I, I was like, no, I'm going to get better at my Spanish. And I would have my dictionary there to make sure that I was saying the word in the right way instead of my Pocho way because I, um, I've learned a lot from the communities I serve. So my Spanish got better. My mom might not like this. My mom's improved my Spanish a lot, but I got my Spanish got better from the communities I serve. They're like, no, maestra, si no se dice. Se dice así. You know, so I'm like, hey, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow in my Spanish. Ceci, I love your Spanish, by the way. <laughs> we are on Ceci's jock about her Spanish, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was thinking about this the other day, like, our parents did the best they could. You know, my mom went to one year of school. So oftentimes she even says a word just wrong. She truly pronounces it wrong. And then we learn to pronounce it wrong. And I have my in-laws that correct me all the time. It's like, Forget it. Like just this is how I say this word, you know. But it's so great to, in a professional setting, know say it right. Prior job at the, my prior firm, the the clients that I had were all the majority. I want to say like ninety percent were Spanish speaking. So it was like I had to really, you know, use the their native tongue. And even I sometimes I feel more comfortable in Spanish these days. Believe it or not, so. It is, it is very funny, but I love the fact that throughout this process and throughout your conversation with you, Anna, it's um. You've talked about just really putting away insecurities because you know that the leadership aspect, there's some, there's a need and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I may have these little faults. I may have these little things. I'm not perfect, but sabes que? other people need it more than I do. My insecurities can, can be put aside. I can work on them and for, uh, on them and have this process for myself later. But I know that the knowledge that I have is going to be useful and I need to put myself out there and we need to stop being afraid, right? afraid of being judged, afraid of everyone always picking at que te ves así, que no te ves así, que no lo, no lo haces bien. And it's like, you know, then then we'll never get anywhere if we wait to do all of that. So I I, I give you props. I, I'm still, you know, I, I still love you from the person that I met you when we were in college to like now when I saw you that, you know, the last time it was like, wow, I, I couldn't like help but like just really be have this joy. And and I think that you do a great job in carrying that and you, you're, you're open to receive it 
as well as giving it. So it's, um, it's always good to see that. So then for me, I want, you know, we go way back. Um, you've always had that spark. You've always been that leader. Um, I've always respected you for it. I, I, you know, we always had, you know, the beauty of like friendships and relationships is that you can, you can, you know, decide to do different things, but respect people for them and still see, you know, that be like, Hey, we can still be homies. You know, we can still learn from one another. So, um, with that, you know, it's like, I know we, we've talked about the pandemic and how you stepped up to provide, you know, this guidance for what was lacking for Latino parents and just, you know, we don't know what to do. So in this case, also on a personal level, I know that you had some challenges. So can you, you know, would you, you know, let's, would you mind, you know, sharing what was the most challenging thing for you? What was the most challenging thing for you during this pandemic? Yeah. Thanks for asking. I'll love to, when I think of you, little. um, so I was living by myself in El Segundo by the beach. I think I was traveling two or three times a week um, as the chief of staff at the time. And then the pandemic happened and then all my work froze. And I think one of the things that was really hard for me is, and then I got laid off, but I got laid off for like a year later, like, oh, we're laying you off, but we need you. So we're going to have you until next June, 2021, right? Which was just like a whole interesting situation. And I think because nobody ever tells you this, but like your identity gets warped in your work, you mm -hmm. become your work. Right. And I first noticed that when I became a founding principal, like it was just who I was all the time. I could not take that hat off. And so when the world stops, I was living by myself, you know, I'm single. It's just like, well, who am I if I'm not this leader anymore? And you just took away a lot of responsibilities. I'm getting laid off. And so I remember making the decision like, okay, either I can like get into a deep depression of like, I'm by myself. I don't have a family, yada, yada. You know, you just think all these things of you're not enough. Right. Or I can create, I, I can say everything's starting from scratch and I can create what I want. So then I remember thinking, like, I just started journaling all the time of like, how did I create the last 20 years? And I, and I just started writing in gratitude for all the things and all the people I've met and all the things I've done. And I said, I can do this again. And so who do I want to be? And I said, I still want to go into politics. I want to be a senior leader in an organization. And I want to open up my own business coaching leaders because leadership is hard. And if you have the fortune of getting into leadership, then get mentorship and get coaching because you now have more responsibility than ever before. And everybody's watching you all the time. That's a lot of pressure and it doesn't have to be lonely. So I, I launched my own um, leadership coaching company. I continued applying for jobs everywhere. I was telling everybody like, hey, I got laid off, but like I'm finding, you know, like don't be afraid to share your truth and your story. And I think we're in this like social media culture of like, let me put everything that's perfect on there. And then the third thing is, um, you can create your own world. Even if right now, like you're in a relationship you don't want to be in, or you're in a situation or work or what, pause, stop and reflect to create the next phase of your life. Cause you can have that. You can do that. And I think it was hard for me to admit a few things. One is like, I've always had mentorship and coaching, but I've never had therapy. So I was like, well, what if I need therapy? What if I can go into therapy? So then I started being open about like, oh, I, I enrolled in therapy. I'm talking about some things that I've put deep down for a long time and have fueled me, but I've never really dealt with, 
right? So I'm really open about that because that's not big in our in our culture. I still have like ton- three coaches and I have mentors. Um, and then I coach other people on the side and then I'm working. And so I think the hardest thing too was just like, let me let me really face some of the trauma or some of the things, beliefs that I've adopted in my life that are no longer serving me. Yeah. I love them. They did me good, but they're no longer serving me at this phase in my life or where I'm trying to get to. That was really hard for me because nobody wants to look at that. Oh, no. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. But we're so pro-therapy here. It's like not even funny. I think just uh-huh. like it's our responsibility to be better people and just, you know, not repeat the mistakes of our parents because they maybe didn't know any different or to do the things they did really well and honor them. And, and that's why we are that way. But also those things that like we grew up not in a pro-therapy environment at all. It was super ridiculed and judged. And you were called crazy if you even thought that you needed to murmur the word of counseling or the word social work with a scary word it was. But no, like at Level Platina, it's like we're all about it. Of course, we'd be hypocrites, right? We believe in coaching, mentorship, guidance. But therapy is a whole nother baby and we love it. We think everyone can take their life to the next level, whether it's personal, marriage, with kids. There should not be a taboo. There should not be a taboo. If a young child needs to go to therapy, it's okay. It's only going to make them better. Not enough people are like checking in at the therapist's office. (laughs) It's the margarita, but it ain't that CBT book that you can do. Not that and that made me feel like oh I gotta do some some of that personal sharing and like that stuff that you do to put in the work on yourself so yes pro therapy a hundred percent yeah that was the best thing I ever did sometimes you hit a wall sometimes you hit rock bottom and it might not seem like rock bottom to somebody else but it is to you and you don't have the answers and you find yourself just trying to keep going and you can't I'm over here doing the doggy paddle because I don't know how to <laughs> swim right yeah. I don't know how to swim So like you're trying to just survive and you think that you're supposed to have all the answers and we don't, we don't. So that's like, it's key that we ask for help, that we have just that confidence in ourselves to be like, you know what? I need help and I'm going to reach out for help. And whether it be a therapist, whether it be someone that just will have the answers, I need to reach out. So thank you for sharing that, Anna, because it's not easy. It is never easy to share and be vulnerable and really tell them like, what? You're so confident, boo. Why are you, you know? And it's like, well, you know, it takes work. <laughs> it takes freaking right. work and it takes, uh, it takes guts and courage to dig in and really, you know, point out the things that don't work for us and don't serve us and really find our purpose, you know? So then we know that with with all that with you you did some you know you you dug in you delve into your soul you did some soul searching you hit with some hard hard stuff i was about to say s-h-i-t i usually drop f-bombs but dang <laughs> she's probably the most comfortable f-bomb you can drop i know i know it's just like but she's an educator so like i should be careful <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> Nah, you know, I love it's the, but yeah, you know, so like you went through all these challenges, you went through some hard, hard, tough shit that we, we go through. Um, like, so you recently switched roles and organizations, companies, and you became the chief academic officer, I see for a college prep academy. So felicidades, congratulations on our end. We're very, very happy for you and proud of you. How do you feel? How do you feel in this, you know, starting this new role and what is your, your, your vision for the future as a high ranked educator? Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really honored to be in this role. Um, it is a, it is a huge role. I think a lot of responsibility you create, you're essentially creating the vision of curriculum, content, teaching practices, and leadership development and entire organization, right? So my team is like maybe 10 or 12 people, but they impact like hundreds, right? Um, And so I feel honored 
and I'm, I'm walking in with a lot of humility and really set on my values. So the first few weeks is like listening meetings, learning, because I really try to approach things as an asset-based lens. Not like, oh, I'm going to change everything, but um, what is the good here already, right? So listening meetings with the, the principals, the educators, but the families next week, and then teachers as well. Um, and then because I really believe education is a servitude. It's, it, we're serving people. We're not here to educate them or, you know, they're not an empty vessel. And so I think that that's part of my values. And I learned a lot of my values when I founded my own school in South Central. Like we created it. I started it from scratch. That was the hardest work I had ever done to, to that point. And um, I think in any, any leadership role, know who you are and know your values. Don't let the culture of the organization or the people sway you from that. Right. So I, I do believe like my values and I, and I start with them, like love, community, hard work, tenacity, right. That's, those are things that are my, my personal values and respect. And I, and I tell people that, and then I treat them like that. And even when people might be like, you don't deserve that. Cause I've had that in my role because I was young in leadership roles and I tried to adopt and I sometimes would seep in and it would create imposter syndrome. Like, why am I here? You know, why did I get chosen? Why everybody's going to know? I don't know what I'm doing. And in reality, nobody knows what they're doing. I think in, in reality, everybody's figuring it out. But you know enough. You know, Malcolm Gladwell says it's really about be the 10,000 hours. So put in the work, but being smart enough and being in the right place at the right time and saying yes. Right. So mm -hmm. when that happens, like I'm still going to go, go into this with humility. My vision is to make sure that the Central Valley is serving students of these farm workers who never stopped working throughout the pandemic, yeah. who are not all getting a stimmy check. Let me tell you mm -hmm. that their children are able to break the cycle of whatever generational poverty outcomes that they're that they have. Right. That we are giving them a good education. And when we do send them to college, they don't go through it like us. Like, oh, my God, I don't write well. I don't speak well. I don't. And if they do not do those things and if they are not feeling good enough, at least they have the tenacity to be like, but I'm going to finish. Yep. But I'm going to get through this. Right. So like and that comes from love. That comes from respect. You don't teach that in books. And I think that's the thing that a lot of teachers miss during the pandemic, that that interaction with kids. Like we were hurting, too, as educators, because that's the part we love. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the thing I, I'm trying to bring love into any organization I come into and um, and my work ethic and things like that. So hopefully I, I know I'm going to do a great job, but it's not going to be without a challenge and it's not going to be without me growing through it. Right. My whole yeah. family support system, everything's in L.A. So being in Delano, I'm like, okay, well, this is real. Let's do yeah. it. It's like really, really making an, an impact. Um, I feel that that's the part that lacks at times, you know, building the confidence in these little humans. It's like, yeah, we want we want to teach them things they should learn when they go out into the real world. But it's really building that confidence and like, yeah, you might not know everything, but you are smart enough, like you just mentioned, and you can do it. Lo puedes hacer, and you and it's and you will have the support if you're able to look out for it. You know there are things out there. I mean, I, I I've been there. You know, we're all first gen. I you know I graduated. You know, high school. I went to an all girl, all Latina majority, all Latina high school. My parents did not trust me to go to public school because rebelde, whatever. You know, okay, fine, parents, <laughs> I trust you. I trust your decision for me. You know, I'm at that age, right? 
So I remember getting this in a barber and I was like, well, you know, I had graduated with honors. I had done the, you know, I had taken, you know, calculus and I was very proud. I won the Bank of America math, math award, you know, as I graduated. And then here I go off to Santa Barbara, like you mentioned, you know, and I'm like, I think I'm set. You know, I want to, I want to do bio psych. Um, and I, I want to do science, maybe do a math minor. And then I took my first calculus class as a refresher in my book was like, oh, I'm gonna take a refresher class. Right. And I didn't pass. I didn't pass. And I was like, what? And it was, I was hit hard by it. I was like, I cannot believe it. So you know, long story longer, no, long story short, <laughs> I ended up changing my major a few times too, but I, I wasn't as good as you were. You were still there four years. I took my time. I was like, you know what? I love college. I love what it, this experience is. Um, I love what I'm doing here. I'm growing a lot. And um, I ended up being there five years. But by that time I was done, I figured like, you know what? I was confident in my ability that I could do this. And this was going to be my experience. It wasn't going to be their experience, you know? But I knew that if I just believed in me and just did it at my pace, that I, I would be able to be okay later. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can tell her, you know, we look back and we're like, damn, I could have done this different. But, you know, we live and we learn. So this kind of segues into our signature question that we ask all of our guests. And it's, you mentioned what you would tell your 18-year-old self, but in this question, we're going to ask you, what advice would you give your 25-year-old self? That's such a good one. 25. Where was I at 25? All right. Uh, man, you think you know everything at 25, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I would say own your story. You know, don't have shame in it. Be re Stay ready. Say yes and enjoy the process, right? So those are like the biggest things. And, and this, the own your story, there's so much shame. Like, oh my God, my parents are immigrants. Oh my God, this and that. Like, no, you, like, Beto, you started an organization that serves women now in that college. People love Hermanas Unidas. Like, yes. you are all best friends because of that. You started Level Up Latina. Like, yes, you may have not have passed that class, but what you were not getting a grade on is how you were creating friendships and impacting women, even at 18 and 19. Right. But nobody taught us to own our story. Like, what are the other skills that we know? And then the stay ready. You know, I was a sports fan, a sport. I played sports my whole life. And so they would always, when I was on the field, they were like, stay ready because the ball might get hit to you. You might get, you know, just stay ready. Stay ready for that opportunity that's coming your way. And when it comes your way or you're asked to do this extra project or that extra work, say yes. Go with it. Go with the flow. I never thought. I didn't know what chief academic officer was at 19, 20, 21, 22, but because I continued saying yes to opportunities, yes to extra work, it was preparing me for what I am today and what I, where I'm at today. So you don't know where you're going to go flow with it. Just say yes. Right. And then enjoy the process. I don't think I enjoyed the process enough. Like, I think I was always like next thing, next thing, next thing, but celebrate yourself, love on yourself. Um, and enjoy that process enough to, to say, like, I'm going to continue traveling the world. I'm going to like be balanced. People like balanced leadership. Mm -hmm. We like it. We seek it. We are always wondering how to get that balance. And and it's beautiful to, you know, like, I love the way some, sometimes Irene explains it as well. It's like, it's like, you know, it's a teeter-totter thing. You know, sometimes you're going to give so much more to your professional career. And sometimes it's going to be more the personal. But just knowing that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be shifting and you need to go with that flow. You got to let it be. You got to let it be. Now take control over the things you can control and the other things you kind of just got to go with it. I am sad to wrap this up today, ladies, <laughs> because 
really enjoying this conversation. You have, you've shared some great information. You've shared some great nuggets. I'm going to recap this last part that you said, you said, own your story, stay ready, say yes, and enjoy the process. And at the end, bottom, you know, underlined exclamation mark, love, love you, give love and, you know, and serve. So Anna, Thank you so much, you know, um, for being with us today, taking this time. I know you're going through this, this change, this whole new ordeal for you. Te deseamos lo mejor. And um, so I'll give you a little moment for where people can find you. Okay. So my podcast, I've, I've paused it for now, but it's Ana Martinez 410 on YouTube. Um, I'm going to start putting up more things when I get the time, you know, like one thing at a time. Yeah. But yes. Um, we have those old videos on there and they're not that old. They're very relevant. So yeah, Ana Martinez 410. Perfect. Thank you so much. And for everyone else, uh, everyone that tuned in today, I hope that you all leave inspired and motivated. You know, we all start somewhere, have the confidence to keep learning, keep growing and, and keep pushing forward a, a little bit at a time. So if you tuned in and you have any questions that you might want us to relate to Anna, hit us up. You know, our, our email is admin at levelaplatina.com. You can learn more about uh, Level Up Latina and what we do in our services. You can find us on Instagram at Level Up Latina. You can go to our website, levelaplatina.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and that's at Latina underscore up. Thank you for Keep everything you do. Thank you. I You're hope you seek out your coaching and services. They need it. We all need it. We all need it. Thank you, Anna, so much. Thank you. We need more educators like you in the world. Let's put that in the universe, y'all. Mm -hmm. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.